Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38. Let's read verse 38 through the end of the chapter, and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Uh, Take note, we're talking about Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, again tonight. All right, and I'll explain a little more when we get going here in a minute. Verse 38, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, doest thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you here tonight, thanking you, Lord, for the many blessings, thanking you for the opportunity just to be in your presence tonight, to worship you uh, amongst other brothers and sisters in, in spirit and in truth. What a blessing it is. Lord, my prayer tonight is that you would just move in our midst in a mighty way. God, that we would each one have open ears to hear what you would say to us tonight by your Spirit. God, I pray tonight that we would receive your word. Lord, that we would have hearts that are tender and ready to receive your word. And God, that it wouldn't wouldn't fall on hard ground, it wouldn't fall among the weeds where it could be choked out with the cares of the world or anything like that. But God, that it find good fertile ground and take root and grow, that it might transform us from the inside out into the image of your Son. And God, my prayer tonight, Lord, is that you would just continue to move here tonight by your sweet Holy Spirit, Lord, ministering to the hearts of each one that is here God, so I'm just asking to have your way and your will in our midst. And Lord, if there's anything, if any of us is harboring any sin in our heart, if there's any here that's lost, any that's undone, any that's not sure where they stand, oh God, let tonight be the night that they would get things right with you. Let tonight be the night they'd find an old-fashioned altar of repentance and they'd turn it all over to you before it's everlasting too late. And God, I think especially tonight, if any was carrying a heavy burden, if any's just kind of drifted away from you, oh Lord, I pray tonight they would find a place at your feet and listen to you. God, we love you tonight. We worship you. We praise your holy name. I need your help tonight. Oh, I need your help. Clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, Lord. Place on my tongue the very things you'd have me to say. Lord, I'm asking for your anointing, your holy unction, for a filling of your spirit, God. Lord, help it just the preaching to be easy and just to flow from my spirit to theirs. Have your way and your will here tonight, and we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory. We love you. 
We worship you and we praise your holy name. I ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I preached last week, morning and evening, on this same family. This same family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Two sisters and a brother. Uh, no mention of spouses. No mention of parents. No mention of children. Just the three of them are mentioned several times. As a matter of fact, unless I'm missing it somewhere, there is five different episodes in the scriptures that center around them. Okay? Uh, if, if I remember correctly, we see them in Matthew chapter 26. We see them in Mark chapter 14. We see them in Luke chapter 10, which I read to you tonight. Now, I read, I read Mark chapter 14 last week. Read to you twice last week, as a matter of fact. So as I started reading these scriptures, if they sound a little bit familiar, it's because there's some similarity there. So Mark chapter 14 last week, Luke chapter 10 tonight, and then the other two places, that's three places if I'm counting right, the other two places is in John chapter 11, and then again in John chapter 12. What is most notable about them and most remembered, not only in our day and time, not only through the Christian air, but even during the time of Jesus' ministry, was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Remember, he's the one that in, in, in starting out in Luke chapter 11, Jesus and the disciples get word that, that Lazarus is sick, right? He's dying. Uh, Jesus doesn't seem to be in a hurry to get there and disciples are concerned and then when Jesus does get there uh, you know Mary and Martha that right one at a time but they individually each come out there to meet him Martha first and and, and you know they're like it's you're too late he's you know he's dead if you got here sooner and all that and that's when Jesus is like you don't get it I'm the resurrection and life and, and you know and they're like well we know that in the future and he's like you know he they don't they don't quite still get it right okay and then in John chapter 12 we have them having dinner together Matthew 26 Mark 14 and John 12, I think, are all parallel accounts. Three of the Gospels retelling the same story. There's variances in details. There's certain details given in certain accounts that's not given in others because each one has their own focus, their own reason for telling the story. But I think those three are all parallel accounts. Those are all accounts of when, what I, that's what I preached on last week, of when Martha breaks the expensive alabaster box of ointment, of, of spinknerd, or however you say it, and anoints Jesus' body in preparation for his burial. I don't know that she really understood. It was just an act of worship she was doing. That's the instance where 
uh, Judas gets all bent out of shape because in, instead of it being sold, right, he said that could have brought 300 pence. Why in the world? 300 pence, that's a year's wages. Why in the world? Well, I mean, I, what is an average working man's year's wages today? I really, I don't know, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, something like that probably. Your average common, you know, working person, uh, you know, just high school level, you know, education. I'm not talking, you know, college degree and, and a banker or anything like a lawyer or doctor or anything like that. I'm just, you know, the average guy that works at Coke for a living or whatever, you know. Uh, so anyways, that, that's how you can compare it. That alabaster box of ointment would have cost an entire year's wages. And she breaks it and pours the whole thing over him. Now, we pick up some details, okay, through all of this. First of all, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus probably come from a family where there was some wealth, there was some money. Your average uh, Judean or Galilean family would not have had a box of ointment that valuable sitting around, okay? Probably comes from a family with some wealth. We also know from reading all of this, all the different accounts and comparing it, there is a whole lot of interaction that takes place that we're not told about, right? That's not recorded in the scripture because... These people are Jesus' friends. And when he's there, there is never any instances where it seems like he has just met them, that they have just met, that he just happened to wander in one day or anything like that. We are distinctly given the impression that there is a relationship, that they know Christ, they have been, or know Jesus, they have been following him, right, probably, and, and, and they have all this interaction. Now, some people think that what I've just read to you is a parallel account to what I read to you last week. I don't believe that for a second. It, it, that's just what I think. It don't fit. The details are different. The timing's different. Everything is different. Written for a different purpose. Here's what I think. I think this happens first. You notice in this account that I read tonight, Lazarus is not even mentioned. It's Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha is the big deal in, 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 the, in the story that I read to you tonight. Lazarus is not the big deal. I think this takes place first. I think later on down the road, the events recorded in chapter 11 take place. The death of Lazarus. So here we've got this, these three siblings, friends of Jesus' followers of Jesus. Word comes to Jesus that his friend is sick. Now, up until this point, Mary and Martha are the ones that we see having the interaction with Jesus. Nothing is said about Lazarus until he gets really sick. Then all of a sudden, little brother, or maybe big brother, I don't know which it is, becomes the focal point of the story, of the interaction. He is sick, he is dying, he dies. Jesus is, you know, from the world's perspective, he is, I always forget, it's three days late, three days late. Okay, I can't, I never can remember, for some reason I always want to say four. Three days late, right? That's when it, that's when it gets there and, you know, and, 
if Jesus tells them, roll the stone back, and they're like, no. You know, here's something else that's interesting through all of these accounts. There is some sort of fragrance uh, scent that is associated with each one. It, here it's about cooking, and you can almost smell the food and the meal that's being prepared, right? And then whenever Lazarus is dead in, in, in the grave, and Jesus says, roll him back, right? What is it that, the, 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 uh, let's see, who is it, Martha that says to him? Says, you know, he, he's going to, he stinketh, you know, he's been in there a while, he stinks, don't do that, you know. And then, of course, we remember what happens, right? He's resurrected. He's raised from the dead. All of a sudden, Lazarus is, becomes a big deal, right? Fame goes abroad of, you know, of what Jesus has done. So much to the point that the third instance, which I think is told about in Matthew chapter 26, Mark chapter 14, and John chapter 12 is when Jesus is having dinner at their house again. And it is mentioned in one of those three accounts, I forget now which one it is, but this is Lazarus that was raised from the dead. The scriptures immediately before it, in both Matthew and Mark, talk about how the Jewish religious leaders want to kill Jesus but he has, he has gotten so well known and so famous and so many people know about the raising of Lazarus from the dead, they're a little bit afraid to. So then, in the final interaction, is the one I preached about last week, and the fragrance there, of course, is the expensive ointment where she has anointed his body for burial. Let's focus on this first one tonight, what I believe is the first interaction that we have recorded for just a minute here tonight. We have Mary and Martha. We assume Lazarus is there, but his name is not even mentioned. Jesus and his disciples uh, we, is probably on their way to Jerusalem, or not probably, they are on their way to Jerusalem. They stop in the town of Bethany, right? Just about two miles outside of Jerusalem at the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Uh, and, and, you know, as I've heard said before, is this family was very special to our Lord. Not that, the, not that Jesus loves one more than any others, uh, but there's some that love Jesus more than others. And so anyway, so we, we, we kind of see that here. And, 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 and I mean, and this is what a testimony, right, that, the, that Jesus' friend Lazarus had. And, and, and there's many Jews at this point, or not at this point, but later on, who come, right, to see what is, uh, uh, you know, just exactly what has happened and what has taken place. It's one that Jesus had raised from the dead in John chapter 12. And, and, and the religious crowd, as I mentioned a minute ago, they've even conspired to, 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 put, uh, uh, to put Lazarus to death because of what Jesus has done, just to, to get him out of the way and so he quit being, you know, because every time, think about it, every time he shows up somewhere, that becomes a topic of conversation, what it was that Jesus did and who it is that Jesus might have been. And so in our text today, we find the Lord in their home. And I want you to notice two things, and here, this is what I wanted to get at here. I want you to notice the serving and the setting, 
That's one thing, serving and setting. And the other thing is cumbered and contentment. Okay? Martha is cumbered in her serving. That's the word the scripture uses, is cumbered in her serving, while, Mar- while Mary is content in her setting at the feet of Jesus. Let me take a moment here that word, and define that word cumbered. Cumbered means, if you, it's interesting. First of all, that word in the original Greek language only appears in all of the New Testament one time. So in all of Holy Scripture, it only appears one time. All right? And it means to, it literally means to be drawn in different directions at the same time. To be pulled in separate directions at the same time. In other words, it's trying to, that's kind of a picture it's trying to paint of being overly distracted or preoccupied with cares and responsibilities. Now, in verse 38, it says that Martha received him into her house. Him is Jesus. Martha received Jesus into her house. First of all, we need to see from that that Martha was a good woman, all right? Martha was a godly woman. Martha loved the Lord, all right? I think we often tend to, to, to look at Martha in the wrong way and, or, or in a bad light, and I think that that's a mistake. Well, let me emphasize it. She was a good woman, and she was a godly woman. And I've got no doubt that she loved the Lord, and I think it's interesting how it says that she received him into her house, into her home. And she made sure. I mean, we see here that she has made sure that the Lord had everything that he needed, that he had every comfort when he came to her house, right? She made sure that, that his every need was met, when he was there. I don't think there's any doubt that she loved the Lord. But the Bible says that Martha was cumbered about much serving. I can only imagine that she was tired and probably at this point more than a little bit frustrated. I mean, here she was. She's having to do all of the work while Mary is sitting in the living room enjoying listening to the Lord talk. Ladies, does that remind you of anything? Does that remind you of how it is sometimes whenever company comes and and you're left alone in the kitchen to do all the work and and, and some of the guys or some of the others, they're just sitting around in the front room talking? Does that sound familiar at all? Now, Let's talk about Mary for a minute, who's sitting in there at the feet of Jesus. She was a good woman. She was also a godly woman. She also loved the Lord. And the scriptures show us that Mary was content. She wasn't concerned about all the other stuff that Martha was cumbered about with, that Martha was distracted with, she was content in her setting at the Lord's feet. So, I want to quickly point out to you tonight 
three things that I think that we can learn from Mary and even maybe emulate in our own lives. First thing I want you to see is we can see that Mary wanted to be with Jesus. Do, do you see that? Mary wanted to be in his presence. Let me read verse 38 again. Now it came, <clears throat> excuse me, now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. So we can see from, the, from verse 38 that Martha was glad to see Jesus and received him willingly. I mean, he was more than welcome in her house. He was actually wanted in her house. And I know that Martha had work to do, so I'm not knocking her for the labor and the concern for the work that needed to be done. I mean, and without people who are willing to labor and willing to work, nothing would ever get done. But keep in mind, there is a time to labor for Christ, and there is a time to be with Christ. Now, remember that word cumbered? Remember it means to be drawn in different directions at the same time? To be overly distracted or preoccupied with, with something, with cares, with responsibility, anything that makes you too busy and is a distraction, right? How many of you are familiar with Flight 401? There's been movies about it, TV shows about it, books written about it. On December the 29th, 1972, an Eastern Airlines jumbo jet crashed into the Florida Everglades. Florida Everglades. That was Flight 401. It was filled with uh, holiday travelers. It was bound for Miami, and it was coming from New York City. Uh, what happened was, is as the plane is approaching the Miami airport for its landing, whenever the pilot, it's actually the co-pilot who was, who was actually flying at that moment. The pilot was, uh, I forget now what they call it, but he had another function right there that he was doing in that moment. But anyways, he was right there too. Uh, and so anyways, uh, um, I, I can't remember now who it is. It's been too long since I've heard this story. But usually the pilot, at that time, the pilot and the co-pilot would switch back and forth, take turns doing this one duty. I don't remember what it was. But anyways, maybe it was the radio part or something like that. But anyways, they are approaching. They go to put down their... Uh, landing gear and the little light that comes on that indicates the landing gear is all the way out and locked in place didn't come on. So they go through the steps that they'd been trained over and over to do. They cycled the landing gear again and it did not, it, 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 the light still didn't come on. So they radio to uh, the 
the air traffic controller, the tower, and they tell them, look, we've got this problem. We need permission to enter into a, what do they call that, where they fly in big circles around the airport. But anyways, to enter into that altitude set, 2,000 feet, going to enter into, you know, well, we checked this thing out. I'm sure they had a little better, fancier words to say than that. But that's basically what was happening here. All right, so they do that in the, um, what do they call that, the technician or the engineer, that's what it is, the engineer that sets up there, they send him down underneath the, in the bottom part of the plane to visually get his eyes on whether or not the landing gear is locked in place. Because if it doesn't go down automatically and lock in place, there is a way that they can manually do it. So they send him down to do that. While they send him down to do that, the other, there's still three more up there in the cockpit, and they end up with a, uh, a stewardess up there trying to help them also. They decide maybe there's a problem with the, with the instrument panel or with the, the lighting mechanism, the bulb or whatever. So while the, uh, the engineer goes down to check that out, we'll pull this assembly out, pop that bulb out, put another one in, and see if the, you know, that has something to do with it. They do that. They've set the plane on autopilot. They do that. They go to get that bulb out of there. I don't know what kind of bulb it is. I just imagine the one you push in a little bit and twist half a quarter turn and it comes out. Well, the thing is stuck. All four of them focused on that, trying to get that bulb out of there. Engineer is down underneath in the belly of the plane trying to get a visual on whether or not the landing gear has went out and locked in place. The co-pilot, who is the one actually sitting there with the controls, because the pilot is in this seat, one seat back, right behind where you know, they would normally sit, doing whatever he is and trying to mess with this instrument panel, with three other people helping him at once, the co-pilot accidentally bumps the stick thing which knocks it out of autopilot, but doesn't know that he accidentally bumped it. They've changed all that since then as a result of that crash. The plane starts slowly losing altitude. It's losing altitude, though. It's dark. It's almost, I think it's around midnight. It's completely dark. It's losing altitude slow enough that nobody is noticing. They are so focused there is a low altitude chime alarm that goes off it's right there where the engineer sets they're so focused the engineer is down underneath the plane and they're so focused on this 75 cent light bulb I bet it wasn't 75 cents back then but you might buy it for 75 cents now on this light bulb that's just worth pennies they don't even hear the chime go off the, uh, the beeper thing go off. Don't even notice the alert for the low altitude. The last words recorded on the recorder is the co-pilot going, hey, aren't we still at 2,000 feet? That's it. Then it's the sound of the crash. It crashed into the Everglades. 96 people of the 163 or 167 that was on the flight 96 perished that night. 75 born, I think it was, that was injured.
while this experienced. That pilot had been flying commercially since 1940. Everyone on that crew was well experienced. This wasn't, as we like to say, this wasn't nobody's first rodeo. All while they are distracted by that little light bulb. Turns out in the investigation, that's what was wrong. The light bulb had went out. It was bad. While Martha was distracted with serving, Mary is doing what Jesus calls the good part. She is content sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha wanted him in her home But Mary wanted to be with him in his presence, sitting there at the feet, learning from him. Too many Christians today are spending their time in service for Christ without spending any time with Christ. That's why many are trying to serve Christ, but find the service a burden instead of a blessing. Do you hear me tonight? If you don't remember anything else, that right there is why so many who are so busy serving Christ find it a burden instead of a blessing. Second thing, we see that Mary loved Christ. I've got no problem understanding that Martha also loved the Lord very much. I'm not bringing that into question. This is shown forth in in several portions of Scripture, right? And we know that the Lord spent much time with them. I mean, Martha was actually the first one who approached Jesus in John chapter 11 after the death of Lazarus. And she's the one, right, uh, that confessed if he'd have been there, Lazarus wouldn't have ever died. But here in verse 39... Let me read it to you. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Here in verse 39, we find Mary worshiping. We find Mary at the feet of Jesus communing with him. We find Mary more concerned with her relationship with the Lord than with anything else, including what the world thought. Let me throw one, one thing in here real quick. One thing that pe- some people think that was part of the reason that, you know, it, that, it, that this was a big deal, that it, some think that it was more than just Martha saying, why ain't Mary helping me? is that Mary was in the place that society in that day and time thought was only the place for a man. That that was was a man's part to be in there. Because the setting at Jesus is... Don't get the wrong picture here. Do not picture Jesus sitting here on his little stool and Mary sitting there at his feet all Google-eyed, staring at him like some schoolgirl like Cassie does Ethan. I'm sorry, Ethan. I usually talk about you when you're not here. 
Uh, but anyways, uh, don't picture that. That's not what it was. The, what the, what the reason that wording is used is because what it is is this is where a student sets at the feet of a rabbi to learn from a rabbi. And the idea in that culture in that day and time, <clears throat> well, there wasn't the idea of learning just for the sake of learning or to satisfy a, a curiosity or for personal enrichment. The idea of learning is so that you could go and teach whenever Paul talks about setting of Gamamiel, it is the same picture as what we see right here. So it's very possible at the same time, Martha is not only saying, Martha is saying Mary is not in her place. That is not Mary's place to be in there learning from Jesus. Her place is to be in the kitchen with the other women. That's very possibly what it is that Martha is saying. And what we see Mary didn't care what the world thought. Mary did not care. All she cared about was being with the Lord in His presence, learning of Him, communing with Him. We see here... I can't, I can't get anything from the picture of Mary's posture other than devotion and worship that's what we see here and then my last point and I'm done is we see that Mary listened to Christ in the verse that I just read to you in verse 39 we find Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to every word in verse 41 we see Martha was careful, it says that she was careful and troubled about many things. Martha was burdened. Serving our Lord had lost its blessing and it had become a burden to Martha. She was not serving because, see at this point, now this is not how it started, this is what it's gotten to. At this point, how I want to say this. Martha was not serving because she wanted to serve. She was serving because as the woman of the house, she had to serve. How many times has the work of the Lord become a burden to God's people? We do what we are expected to do just because we're expected to do it. We see here, Mary's the one that's blessed. In verse 42, we see that Mary had chosen, as the Lord puts it, the good part. Right? Which he goes on to say, which shall not be taken away. Now, I've got no doubt that Mary had spent and did spend many hours laboring right there, right beside Martha. But at this time, right in this moment, her sitting at the feet of Jesus didn't have anything to do with laziness. It had to do with her desire to both be with him and to hear his words, to hear his teaching. I mean, Jesus himself says in Matthew 4, 4, right? Uh, he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. She is sitting right there 
God incarnate, God manifest in the flesh. Here is the word of God coming out of his mouth. Job says in chapter 23, he says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips, talking about God's lips. I have, this is the part here I want you to hear. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. While Martha was distracted, Mary was drawing near to Christ. I know, I know, Martha was concerned about dinner. But couldn't he who fed thousands with just five loaves and two little fishes the very one that had fed thousands with a little boy's sack lunch. Could he have not fed this small dinner party as well? Was the food really the number one concern at that point? Martha, Martha complains in verse 40. She says, my sister has left me. But you see, as I said well ago, Jesus makes it clear that Mary was seeking that good part, the part that wasn't going to be taken away from her. Yes, we can be doing a multitude of other things that are both good and beneficial. But there's only one thing that's really needful, most important. Uh, I like um, Oswald Chambers. I'm not one, I mean, I firmly believe as you grow, I mean, you need to read. You need to read the Word of God, first of all, above all, most of all. But you also need to read behind good godly men and women. Uh, there, you, you can learn good godly things from good godly people, period. You can. And uh, Oswald Chambers. I like Oswald Chambers. I don't agree with everything that he's ever wrote, obviously. But as far as devotionals go, uh, the Lord blessed him with some good thoughts. One, one thing that he wrote in one of the devotionals that I have is he said, Christianity is not devotion to a work or to a cause or a doctrine, but a devotion to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, look, look, hear that again. Christianity is not devotion to a work or to a cause or to a doctrine. But instead, it is a devotion to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship and devotion to Jesus must always be our ultimate priority. We have got to be careful that we don't get distracted just like Martha was distracted. We've got to make sure that there is a time to work, there's a time to labor, there's a time to serve, and there's also a time to be with the Lord and to sit at the feet of the Lord and to commune with Him. And we've got to make sure, right? 
uh, that, that, we, that we don't just play the part of Martha. Because when we just play the part of Martha, there'll come a point where you'll find that serving the Lord is no longer a blessing, but it's become a burden. So what am I telling you tonight? Is Jeffrey come for a song of invitation? I'm telling you, you must choose the good part, just like Mary did. And it does not happen accidentally. It will not happen automatically. You must consciously choose to be devoted to Jesus. You must er, consciously choose to make time to worship Him, to make time to spend with Him. It will not happen automatically or accidentally. We must choose the good part. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come tonight. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come tonight? You've got a need, you've got a burden, you come on tonight. Whatever it is here, don't don't miss this opportunity. You just come right on.